Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. We have a special guest today with us, none other than um, NWSL Defender of the Year, Becky Sauerbrunn. Hi, Becky. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, the show is called Two Drunk Fans. Right now, I think we're at about 1.7 drunk fans. <laughs> um, so, in theory, it's out of season. You can have any drink that you want. Gab and I are buying. What would you get? Uh, if if we were in the States, I'd get a Jack and Coke. But if we were maybe in Latin America, I'd get a Mojito. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Two excellent answers. Excellent answers. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gab, what are you drinking? <laughs> right now I am drinking a little Captain Morgan's inside of a Jamba Juice. They're kind of healthy. Yeah. 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 It's a Rasmataz, so it's a little tropical in San Diego. So, you know, um, trying to trying to be tropical. <laughs> well, one of them makes up for the other. That's how nutrition works. If you eat a healthy thing and a bad <laughs> thing, they cancel each other out. It's science. Such is my life. Yeah. Such is my life. <laughs> I'm having a Yingling Black and Tan. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, little tournament coming up, World Cup. It's probably not a big deal, but we thought we'd talk about it anyway. Tiny. Um, it happens like every four years. Right? Yeah. It's only every four years, so how important could it be? <laughs> Becky, how are you guys preparing mentally, like on an individual and on a team level for the World Cup? I mean, I think it's it's changed now that uh, Jill Ellis has finally announced the 23 roster. So I think kind of the pressure of making the team is now kind of in the past. And now it's just we've got the 23. And now, I mean, there's still going to be competitiveness when it comes to playing time and starting roles and things like that. But I think everyone's kind of made a shift, a mental shift. And so now we're just kind of dialed in and focused. And now that um, most of the girls are done with their, you know, three NWSL games, um, we're just kind of gearing to get back into camp and, and just to really train um, and do well in these send-off series. One of the things that we heard about in 2011 with a team like Canada was that they were so dialed in for so long, they kind of burned out before the World Cup started. Is that part of your preparation, like knowing when to really ramp up the mental preparation? Yeah, and I think because the national team doesn't do residency, we're not together, you know, six months of the year straight. I think the the way that we do camps where we're in together for like two or three weeks, and then we can go home for, you know, a week or so. I think that just helps you mentally just get that break that you need so that when you get back into camp, you're refreshed, your batteries are recharged, you're ready to go. Yeah, yeah, I guess it helps you like, you know what you're playing for, you're not separated from your friends, family and stuff like that. Um, For sure. I mean, you get a good perspective when you're away, too. Kind of when you're in camp, everything is just like you make a bad pass and you're like, oh, my God, my day's ruined because of that pass. Um, And then you get away and you're just like, oh, man, I had a bad practice. It's fine. Like there are other things outside of this world um, than soccer. So it's always a nice reminder to get away for a little bit. So which team, you know, you're facing in group. It's USA, Australia, Sweden, Nigeria. And people have said that's group D for death, which I'm not super buying into but so which out of those teams do you see as the biggest challenge <sighs> I mean they they all are going to be challenging just because you're going to get the best out of every single team um at every game in a world cup um I would definitely say Australia's got a lot of players that you need to just be watchful of like Lisa Devana you know she can she's a game changer um but then Sweden also like playing against Pia you know that a lot of emotional baggage comes with that game and Nigeria super physical been doing really well so I mean all the games present different challenges 
Okay, well, then in that vein, which team, not necessarily in your group, do you see as kind of the sleeper of the tournament? Who could surprise Ooh. us? Leaper? That's a great question. Yeah. Who, who should we be thinking about or researching or getting to know over the next couple months? Well, I mean, Switzerland had a really good result against Sweden the other day, 3-1. to one. I mean, that's, that's an interesting... Um, interesting game result. And also when we played them, they definitely have some players that you got to be careful of. So, I mean, Switzerland could be kind of a dark horse of the group. Um, It's tough because, I mean, all these teams have done so well in whatever region or conference that they're they're in. So, I mean, I feel like you won't really know until the tournament starts and some kind of big results happen. Yeah. Yeah, like who who was going to call Japan in 2011, you know? Or, oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, Humari Sawa just all of a sudden takes over the entire tournament. You know, you just never know what's going to happen. I think even Japan admitted that took them by surprise. They were like four years ahead of schedule. They said, we weren't planning on winning this one. Our plan was to win the next one, but we'll take it. So, Yeah, I mean, and we played Japan twice leading into the 2011 tournament and beat them both times by numerous goals. And, you know, all of a sudden in the final and <laughs> they keep coming back. yeah. Let's not let's not dwell on that. Um, That's <laughs> so, well, then, how will 2015 be different from 2011, both like for you as a player and for the United States program? Do you think? I think for the program, I think we've gotten a bit of a wake up call that the world is, if not catching up, definitely progressing as far as women's soccer goes, and so. Every game is not just, oh, we're going to beat this team by several goals. It's it's always going to be a battle. If we don't show up, we very well could lose. And, I mean, you saw that in Algarve two years ago when, you know, we lost, you know, geez, I think we lost three of those games, two of those games. So you just never know. Um, so I think we are going to this tournament kind of understanding that we need to bring our absolute A-plus game um, and that we're really going to have to fight and be on. And there's no coasting. And there's never any coasting with this team. But, like, we can't afford to have two or three players not play at their best. We're going to need everyone to be playing at their best at the world cup in order for us to win. Um, And for me personally, I mean, I was just a reserve player in the 2011 squad. So um, I was more there for, you know, being a good teammate and training hard and making sure I'm pushing the starters so that they're going to be at their best. And, and I'm hoping at, you know, at the 2015 that I'll have more of a role when I'm actually playing and physically contributing to the team. So um, that whole, you know, brings a whole other level of stress and everything, but um, hopefully that's kind of where my progression will be. In 2011, then, your role was different. So what would you say has changed about you as a player in the past four years? Or has anything changed? Uh, I think my confidence has changed. I think I've gotten more confident over the last four years. And I think that, in large part, has to do with the NWSL and playing with, with FC Casey. Um, and then I also think I've become more well-rounded as a player. I've added things to my game. Um, I've kind of stopped analyzing things so much that it kind of just brings me down. I've kind of been better about just letting my instinct take over a lot of the time. And I think that's kind of added something to my game. Oh, that's interesting because what Gab and I were going to ask you next was about um, a lot of people when they talk about you, they say you're a very intelligent player. I think Hope Solo uh, really complimented you from, I want to say, 2012. You were pushing a player to force her to get off a shot uh, mm-hmm. in a in a good position where Hope could block it. And, you know, they consider you like a student of the game. That's the title I hear a lot. So do you think that that's something you've stepped back from or you've changed the way that you analyze soccer? You said you're not thinking about it so much now. No, I mean, I definitely am. I would say I 
analyze the game a lot, but I almost at times would over-process things. And so I would almost second guess a pass. And so that split second where I'm like, uh, should I play it or not? It kind of closes the pass. So I've kind of gotten better at like, I see it, I go for it, you know? And then if I, if I make a mistake, I'm better about letting those mistakes go. So I would still say I'm a, I try to be an intelligent player and I try to analyze the game. Um, but I also am relying a little bit more on my instinct just so that I'm making the right place at the right time. Yeah, and then that instinct is definitely like paying off, and, and we're seeing it. Um, we've coined the term uh, or ter- term um, wild attacking center back because <laughs> it's awesome when you just you see it and you just go for it, and suddenly you're making like a forty yard run, and we're just like, is she gonna go all the way? Um, and that's so much fun to like watch, and you know, it's not every match and stuff like that, but it's it's certainly something that that we've seen, and and we we appreciate about your style of play is you you do have that wild card um, mm-hmm. that you can just turn it up, especially with FC Casey. I'm a um, I don't know if if Steph talked to you. Uh, we're she's Breakers fan, and I'm I'm a Thorns fan. And mm-hmm. so whenever, you know, Thorns play FC Casey, I'm always like, stop it, Becky. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. But it's so much fun to watch. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Um, a question I had, uh, being a student of the game, like we watch a lot of women's soccer. Um, and it seems like, you know, everybody is watching different leagues, things of that nature. But how much soccer do you actually think you watch in a week? In a week? Can it be men's and yeah. women? Yeah, yeah, in total. Like, you're a student of the game. How much would you say you're watching? Oh, oh, plenty. I mean, when NWSL season's on, I'm probably watching every single game, um, at least some of it, you know, if I can't watch the full 90. Um, but then when it comes to, like, men, I'm watching MLS, I'm watching EPL, I'm watching Real Madrid. Um, I like to watch PSG. I like Bayern Munich. I like used to like Borussia Dortmund until they started sucking. But um, I watch a lot of soccer, and I think that's uh, – a reason that I've become kind of a student of the game is just these games are available and you're watching the best teams in the world, the best players in the world, and just kind of just see what they're seeing and how they find space and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's, you can't replicate that. And I think it's something that all players, you know, that aspire to be, you know, at elite level should be doing that. Well, should be. Yeah, yeah, should be. (laughs) Different leagues then on the men's side, you can um, kind of, compare them broadly like MLS is you know the American League so it's faster and more physical and there's more tactics in the German League and so among the women's side I think it's a little harder to compare leagues but you've been in in Norway and you've been in WPS and NWSL so for you what would you think how would you characterize those leagues as someone who asked you to compare them uh when I was in Norway I would say technique and tactics those two things were trained and drilled day in and day out um so the physicality part of it the mental part of it um i thought those were areas that were kind of not lacking but just not as present um whereas when you got into the wps uh there was a lot of physicality same with nwsl um tactics they're definitely there depending on what coach you have um i think there's definitely a wide range of, of philosophies when it comes to the coaching in the in the NWSL um and then as far as just comparing the NWSL as to the WPS I would say um there's less international players and so you're getting less of that on field problem solving that I would say like the Sonia Bompastors and the Hamari Sawas were bringing um in the WPS 
Yeah, I definitely miss watching Kelly Smith for the Boston Breakers. That was... Great example. She was a fantastic... Like, she could just never leave the center circle and still find a way to impact the game. It was nuts. And you don't... Yeah, you don't really see that in the American game very often. A player that... um, When you think of, like, of all the stats that are brought to the game, you know, distance covered, uh, max sprints, things like that, you think that is what impacts the game. But really, you know, you're looking at a a Kelly Smith and she's just staying in in certain parts of the field, but she's not losing the ball and she's setting up other players. And so it's definitely two different philosophies looking at it. A slightly slow start to FCKC season. Not... Yeah. um, (laughs) You guys are (laughs) one and two right now. Um, yep. Congrats on beating the rain, though. Oh, uh, thanks. So, yes. do you? It's not that Gab and I have noticed that there's a uh, an appreciable difference in the way FC Casey is playing. But what would you say has been have been some of the contributing factors to this slow start? Is it just other teams have finally put it together against you guys? Well, what's interesting is that last season, three games in, we only had one point. So the fact that we had three points was actually better <laughs> than what we had done last year. And um, the way the way that we play at FCKC, um, it's a lot about reading off one another and, and reading the spaces that people are leaving and and um, passing lanes and things like that. And that doesn't come very quickly, especially in just a six week um, preseason. And then take the fact that four national team players are just kind of you know coming in three days before a game. And um, it was just it was a rough start for sure. Um, against Sky Blue, I actually kind of thought we deserved the win. We had a, we created a lot of chances. Um, against DC, I thought DC deserved to win that game. They played very well, and we just did not match the standard that they had set. Um, and then in Seattle, I felt like it started to finally get together. And um, unfortunately, the now all the national team players are gone, but hopefully we kind of set up that momentum and, and then the feel that the other girls can kind of carry that into the next few games. While you guys are gone then, it's going to fall to people kind of like Shea Groom to step up. Um, I think she's doing pretty well so far as a rookie. What are your impressions of her? I really like Shay. I think she's an exciting player. She's got a good change of pace. Um, she can also jump like a sprite, which I noticed <laughs> in the Seattle game. I was like, you know, we don't have a lot of aerial presence on FC Casey, so I was like, all right, we're going to start targeting, you know, like five foot three Shea Groom. Um, she's she's going to be good for us. She's going to be really good. She's fit in really well to the philosophy so far, um, and she's attacking, which is great. So I see big things for her. What would you tell Shay Groom as a rookie? Like, what would you? What do you wish someone had told you as a rookie? That's a great question. Um, as a rookie, you're kind of expected to make mistakes. I mean, you're playing against players that are older than you, that have more experience than you, that played in bigger games. So I would probably tell her it's going to be tough. You might not play all the time. When you do, just make the most of it. Like, have fun. Learn from the people around you. And if you make mistakes, just you know brush it off. It happens to everybody. It's fine. Um, just keep looking forward to the next day. That's pretty good advice. It's pretty reassuring, I guess, especially starting a new job, a high profile job like this. A lot of other people, if you're a rookie, you know, you make a mistake. I say rookie, but like, you know, if you get a desk job, you make a mistake. Maybe your boss sends you an email, but if you're right. shade room and you make a mistake, like 10,000 people will notice and then tweet about it. Right. And then it's like analyzed, you know, all over the place. And yeah. yeah. So I think that was all the soccer questions we had, unless, Gab, you wanted to ask, pipe, yes, no? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, we, we, we went through our uh, our, our list yeah. already. You, you, you 
went really quickly through all of those, buddy. Did I? <laughs> I don't know. The it, I think it was the quality of the answers that was, you know, you don't need to gild the lily when you have, it's quality over quantity. Well, exactly. It, it, the conversation flowed. The conversation flowed. I'm not about to throw one of my stupid questions in there. All right. Um, well, then let's flow right to the fun stuff at the end. Yes. Okay. Please. So while we have you, um, you said before your favorite book, your sci-fi favorite sci-fi novel is Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Did you see the movie? I did see the movie, and I was thinking about boycotting the movie because the author has used his platform to spew homophobic things, and yeah. so I actually don't um, like to say that Ender's Game is my favorite book anymore, just because I disagree so much with the with the author's view of, of life. Um, so if I had to say a new favorite book, sci-fi, I would probably go with Game of Thrones or um, Angel Maker by Nick Harkaway. Hmm. Anything by Nick Harkaway is amazing. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that was really unfortunate. I used to really like Ender's Game. I read it a lot as a teenager, and um, like I really sympathized with the character of Ender. But yeah, it's an interesting question. Like, can a creator's views become so poisonous that you can't separate the work from the author? Like, yeah, and what was what's so crazy about Ender's Game is that there's so much acceptance in that book. And I mean, I know this is getting really lame, but like in the future books when he's actually trying to bring back the species that he annihilates, you know, it's tolerance. It's like mm -hmm. acceptance of something that's different from you. So I don't understand how the author can be so different from the philosophy that he creates in his book. Sometimes it happens. I know some people who are very right wing, you'll take my guns from my cold dead hands, you know, kind of maybe don't have the most advanced view on race relations, but then they'll turn around and go, you know, woman's body is their own business. I don't care. And I'm just like, what is happening? I don't... I know. What is... It's true. It's true. It's it's a mystery. Yeah. Um, other sci-fi. Have you seen the new Star Wars trailer? Is that interesting to you at all? You know, I'm actually I have not gotten into Star Wars, so <gasps> I can't, I have not seen the new trailer, and I can't <gasps> say that it ever was like super into Star Wars. I'm I more would say Star Trek. Oh, okay. Well, then, um, <laughs> have you seen the new J.J. Abrams movies? And are they? I have my own opinions on this, but I'll wait to hear yours. Um, prefer J.J. Abrams-style Star Trek or pre-J.J. Star Trek movies? I probably couldn't give you a good answer because I haven't seen as many of the pre-Abrams, um, but I would say that I definitely love his two Star Treks that he's come out with. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll so just... The only the only contribution I have to this conversation, because I don't watch Star Trek or Star Wars, um, is... Have you been in Portland to Star Trek in the Park? Have you heard of this? No, I haven't heard of that. It's a thing that uh, a bunch of actors c get together in a park and everybody shows up with picnics and they act out an episode of Star Trek. And it's called Star Trek in the Park and it's in different parks around Portland. Um, and you can literally just bring a picnic and relax and it becomes like this really fun thing. And that might be the only way that I've actually seen Star Trek other than in a movie theater. Well, I feel like I'm missing out. I'm definitely gonna have to look that up because that sounds amazing. Gab, do you yeah, know if that's awesome. original series, TNG, DS9, what? Or do you not? No, you don't know? It's, it's the old version that's on like Nick at Night. Okay, the original <laughs> series. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Sorry. Okay, well then, I guess we'll close it up then. 
it's complete non sequitur, but I think it's a decent question. What are your top three vacation destinations? Oh man, um, places that I've actually vacationed to. It could be anywhere you want to go, anywhere. Anywhere. Oh man. Okay. Well, I'm gonna say I've been to Belize, but I would love to go back to Belize, um, Thailand. And then I've been to Thailand, I've been to Phuket. So I'm going to give you a third that I haven't been to, but that I've always wanted to go is New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard New Zealand's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Minus mm-hmm. all the sheep. Yeah. You know, you like- <laughs> There's like 50 million sheep and 13 million people in New Zealand. Like the sheep outnumber everybody. If they ever there- got together and decided they'd had enough, New Zealand is doomed. That's well, true. isn't there an island somewhere that has more cats than people? I think off the coast of Japan. Yeah. So th- these places exist. Just embrace the sheep. Don't make them angry. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Becky. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, I guess have fun picking up your boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, oh, and good luck in the World Cup. Oh, yeah. Yes. Good luck. good luck in that little tournament. Okay, thank you guys. All right, bye. 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 Well, that was Becky Sauerbrunn uh, for FCKC. And the women's national team. And the women's national team going to that little thing, the World Cup in Canada in like it's f- It's like a regional days. tournament or something, right? Yeah, it's in Canada, so. <laughs> it's a CONCACAF tournament this year. Yeah, I don't. I don't think many people are going to be there. You and I certainly will not be there. No. <laughs> All right. Anyway, it was really cool of her to join us. Um, uh, I really, I, I like the way these interviews are going, buddy. I feel like uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to have these conversations, or at least eavesdrops, eavesdrop on these conversations that you're having with people. Some good sci-fi recommendations too. We'll post a link on the show to the books that she mentioned. Um, if you yeah, know. and we won't mention the one that she's not fan of anymore. I'm not a fan of it either anymore. It's just it just sucks when somebody is so reprehensible that you can't that they take something that you enjoy away from you. Anyway, anyway, on a, on a we, brighter uh, note, we need to we need to talk about some footy. We've, yeah, uh, it's been a couple weeks. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks. There's been a lot of results. Portland did not do as well as I thought they would against the Flash. Whatever. At least they won. They got three points. Yeah, at least they won, which is good for me because that's what I was betting on in Fantasy League. <laughs> uh, speaking of unexpected results, look, I'm sorry, Boston. You know I love you, but I did not expect that 3-2 win over Houston. That was pretty sweet. Okay, on the one hand, yes, we got it off an own goal. But you know what? The own goal came from a dangerous ball into the box. It wouldn't have happened if the ball hadn't been good from Chrissy Mewis delivering it. So I'm going to take it. Yeah, take it and run with it. I mean, just three weeks ago or a month ago or something, we were saying the Dash were the the team to watch this year and look at Boston. I mean, I'm not going to say this heralds some kind of turnaround for Boston, but I am oh, going to no. say... I'm, I'm say... I'm saying it says more about... The dash that does Boston. <laughs> Thanks. It was it was a bit of a fluke. I'm sorry, buddy. Well, I think it goes to show that Boston can compete. It's up to them, you know, whether they actually will. But well, yeah, and, and that comes down to organization and leadership and and the opportunities that um, those players kind of seize. 
And also in the post-game conference, Coach Durkin admitted that the Brazilian internationals are still not at NWSL speed. And we saw it in the game. I mean, we straight up saw it in the game. Like, Rafina tired out. And Durkin even admitted she tired out after about 20 minutes uh, at that pace. Which is not, like, even I think a college player could come in and maybe play NWSL pace for a full half. Because they're just used to that American system of, like, fitness. Yeah, so. it's it's different. It's different, and um, you know, some would argue that that is what has made us stand out from other countries in terms of when we're playing internationally. But come on, you got to be better. You got to be better to be considered a pro. Well, in the games that have happened since we last recorded, I think the game of the weeks, plural for me, might be Chicago Seattle. Like at least the first half of that game. From um, almost two weeks ago. Yeah, it was 2-2 at the end of the half. Mm-hmm. Kristen Press put the Red Stars up so fast. Although Red Stars Thorns is interesting, too. I thought Red Stars Thorns was dramatic, but that's also because I'm a Thorns fan. <laughs> I was really impressed with the team for coming back uh, down to and actually being able to rally. You know, I think a Christine Sinclair goal does that. Uh, kind of rallies the troops and she gets them engaged and energized. Do you have ha, do you have any sense as to how many more matches uh, the Canadians will be available for? Because I, to be completely honest, have been really surprised we got her for two. I think this is it. You I, think that was the last one? I think this might be it. Maybe right, well, maybe one more. Well, we're top of the table and now we lose everyone and let's see what happens. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, maybe one more. I think it's like depends on the conversations Herdman has with the coaches. Because basically it's like, look, if you're going to play my player for 90 minutes, I'll release her from Canada. If you're not, I'm going to keep him in camp. Because it doesn't benefit yeah. anyone for them to go on a round trip and then sit on the bench. So I think that's a good compromise. No, I, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Like They're going to play 50-plus minutes or something like that, 60 minutes. Yeah, you know who has been clipping along nicely this season are the Spirit. They yes. hand, they handled FCKC. I'm sorry, Becky, but they handled FCKC three to one, and then they handled, maybe not as comprehensively, but they handled Sky Blue three to one again. So, and they're they're doing it the the three to one against Sky Blue. They did without Allie Krieger. Yeah, the last two games have been without yeah. Allie Krieger. So, you know, and they they're relying a lot on Nairn, who's not going to go anywhere, and they've got uh-huh. done for the whole season. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and Houston is looking good this season. She's not going yeah, anywhere. The spirit, the spirit are going to come together. Um, at the end of the day, we're coming up to that period of time what we've been we've been dreading, also theorizing about for well, you've been a number dreading. of months now, where we're just going to see what is going to happen with this little science experiment called the NWSL. Yeah, now is the time. Like, are the crowds going to come when you can't do that bullshit thing where you're like. Next week, we play Alex Morgan and the Portland Thorns. Come see Alex Morgan play in the announcements, you know, in fucking Boston. Yeah. So what are we going to do without that? And hopefully by now, teams are embedded enough in their local community that they're not going to see too much drop-off. That's what the previous two years has to have been for, right? Where you build up... two years and all the marketing that they've been doing this preseason. Yeah. The Breakers, their GM, Lee Billiard, gave an interview where he's like, for the two years now, we've basically been penny pinching we've been scraping and saving every single way we can so now this season we can finally actually do a little more marketing they've got radio ads they got on the t which is you know fairly big deal the subway here they're doing community outreach to all the huge brazilian immigrant populations 
And I hope every other team is similarly doing community stuff. Looking at you, Sky Blue, and you're under oh, 1,000 attendance. Looking at you, Sky Blue. How the fuck is that sustainable? They had attendance of 750 something. Yeah, their their location is killing them. I don't know what other factors are like the major ones, but that location has got to be a killer. Well, the location and the fact that it doesn't have any amenities to actually uh, draw people to it. You know, location location is one thing, but if you are actually putting on a show and like you know, the, the Maryland Soccer Plex isn't exactly like downtown DC or downtown Baltimore or anything like that, but they have the facilities that make you want to go there. I think that's fair, but I think on the flip side, it also is a little unfair to make a comparison because the Maryland Soccer Plex, even though it's in suburbia, it's surrounded by a suburbia that is into soccer. Like, oh, for sure, for sure, and, and you I know, don't know there's that... definitely pockets of Jersey that are into soccer, so. Why the hell can't we find a, a pitch that is in a better location? Yeah. Really wish that Red or, Bulls deal had gone through. That would have been nice. Well, I mean, the other the other talking point that, that kind of comes out of all of this is, like, well, like why is Chicago the only team playing on a multi-purpose pitch? I mean, if we're going to be critical and we're going to talk about location and we're going to talk about opportunities, like, year three, year three, it's a bit of an eyesore. And it's like Chicago's a pretty big urban location, so it's it's it makes me scratch my head as to why the Chicago Red Stars haven't moved. What was attendance though at Red Stars Thorns? It was just over two thousand. Like twenty one hundred. Okay. Yeah. Which is not great. I think every team needs to be pushing around the three thousand mark and admittedly Boston didn't hit that for their home opener. So do you think if they move to a better field and better location, they could they could see attendance much closer to 3,000 or over 3,000? Well, I guess that's that's the, the, the opportunity for growth that they would just have to dive above the bend and try for. Yeah. And strive for. Like, if they're seeing attendance that's between two and 3,000, I mean, granted, weather sucked um, in Chicago. It was It was a cold spring day. Um, it was. It sounded like it was pretty windy and, and wet, uh, so not a lot of people are going to go out for that match. But at the end of the day, you know there need to be targets, and I, I am just slightly perplexed as to why it's season three and the Red Stars are still at Benedictine College. I mean, maybe that's where the the savings are. Maybe they have a good deal with them or something that that's too yeah, good. Yeah, but to pass what are up. we what are we saving for? I don't know. Another lawsuit wow you got to spend money to make money you do you do and and i think that it's okay for us to pivot the conversation from like oh my god how are nwsl teams supposed to be scraping by to okay guys it's year three um let's start seeing seeing some some moves not being familiar enough with chicago location i'm not going to say oh you need to do so and so because what what if that really is their best option in terms of having to balance location and money and, you know, amenities and public transportation and all that? But, I yeah, every team just needs to do better. It's an indicator to me that I see FCKC moving. I'm just to, trying to... To multiple locations. I see Boston moving to a location that meets their needs better. Um, now we only have a few teams that are playing on artificial pitch. Um, we don't have any other teams that are playing on multi-purpose 
field. You know, Rochester in, in Western New York, they're they're going to be playing on a pitch that will have football lines on it from time to time, but it's not a multi-purpose. For Rochester, that's just a multi-purpose stadium yeah. that soccer is dominant in. But my point, my point is, is that we've seen other teams like an FCKC, like a Boston, graduate and move towards more soccer-friendly uh, fields and and maybe different environments. And I'm intrigued as to why Chicago is not making moves. Yeah, that might be an interesting question for their GM, Elise LeHue, or maybe Arnon Whistler or something. You know, I completely get if the opportunity just isn't there for any other Chicago location. But to me, um, there are a lot of other colleges and universities in Chicago. That is something you would know, isn't it? With your your job. It is. Yeah. Well, that was NWSL. We kind of bounced around a bit, but there was a lot to cover. And so let's talk about the weekend, the, the coming weekend. Okay, so we begin. have Chicago versus Sky Blue. Chicago will will still have Kristen Press. Mm-hmm. It'll be her third game, so they still have her. Sky Blue, I believe, is going to be without their national teamers, uh, most notably Kelly O'Hara. They will have, of course, Nadia Nadim. True, but how effective was she against the Spirit? I thought didn't she set up the assist? Yeah, Nadia Nadim got the assist. I think Chicago's going to win that one, and I think they're going to win three to one again. I think Nadim's going to be involved in setting up the goal if she, if that's assuming she's not the goal scorer herself. In the press conference after Portland, Paul Riley was very complimentary of Chicago, and he was like, they're a playoff contender. Although, caveat, Rory Dames immediately after was like, I think he was in a good mood and he was inclined to compliment my team, but there's a lot of things to still work on. That press conference was really interesting. I, think, yeah. I encourage everyone to go watch it for two reasons. One, to see the contrast in teams because they tied both teams got two goals but one lost a lead and one had a comeback and you can just see the difference in attitude and the other reason is because christine sinclair couldn't stop swearing (laughs) uh can we post a link to that uh that conference yes yes we will that press conference because i would love to fall asleep to the sound of christine sinclair swearing yeah swearing over hockey no less very oh are you serious yeah Next game is Breakers versus Flash. That is Mewis versus Mewis. Mewis versus Mewis. They have already started trash talking each other on Twitter. Sam Mewis, really? she already claimed to be the favorite child. She said their parents are going to show up in Western New York Flash gear because she is the favorite child. Also, she made fun of Christy for losing at the Easter egg hunt. I mean, Damn. yeah. Um, I'm going with Western New York on this one. Sorry, buddy. I am almost giving them the edge just based on the trash talk. <laughs> like, I'm I'm saying it's going to be two to nothing, Western New York. Ooh, I think we still have Nair for one more game. Oh, really? Yep. And I think the defense is going to pull together. I don't know if Cat Whitehill will be still out because of her ribs, or if she heals and she'll still be out because it turns out Coleman and King worked well together. But I'm going to call this one two to one for the Breakers. <sighs> So you guys get, did you guys have a bye week? This past weekend? Or at some point? Because yeah. I thought all national team players were only playing in three games. Yeah, we had a bye week. Oh, I, I didn't realize you guys already had a bye week. Yeah, it, we lost to Portland, stewed in it for two weeks, and then came back against Houston. <laughs> okay, I see, yeah. I see how that is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had a long time to sit there and think about what we did. Next one is Dash versus FC Casey. Now, Dash will be at home, 
And FC Casey will be without their national teamers. So I'm going to say Dash will get on the scoreboard first. Mm-hmm. But FC Casey will win eventually, like two to one. See, I am actually going to say, I'm going to go, I'm going to say that what Houston, the result Houston got from Boston, Uh in Boston, was a fluke. And I'm going to say Houston's going to win this one, one to nothing. Maybe I'll even reverse that. I'll say FC Casey gets on the board first, but Houston will ultimately win two to one. Yeah, I'm going to reverse I'm saying one to nothing. Was a dash. I'm going to say two to one for the dash. Fine. Sorry. Sorry, Becky. (laughs) And then Rain versus Spirit. I think that'll be a really fun match to watch. Really fun. And I'm going to call this one... Ooh. The Spirit don't have Harris anymore, though, do they? Yeah, but they still have Dunn and Nairn. Okay, does Seattle still have Solo and Rapino? No, I don't think so. Shit. But even if they did... I'm going to say this is going to be a 1-1 draw. I'm going to I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. So Seattle will have Kim and Fish. So I'm going to say 2-2, two, two, a 2-2 two, two tie. 2-2? Two, two? Yeah. Shit, son, it's going to be raining goals. It's raining goals. Okay, fine. 3-3. Three, three. Oh my god, you made me choke on the last of my rum. Okay. Well, that's NWSL preview. Um don't hold us to these scores as usual because we are often catastrophically wrong. Oh, but when we're right, we're so, so right. Yeah. Oh, so right. So right. Like, we're so spot on. Why don't you say that in a creepier voice? Just... Ugh. Okay. Thanks.